Hey guys, Riley here, the owner and head editor over at Podgy.co, and I want to thank you for checking out the first episode of the Podcasters Podcast. This podcast is designed to give you actual tips and insights into aspects of podcasting that are more technical and maybe not as obvious to people just starting off. In this first series of episodes, we're going to look at all the effects podcasters use on their tracks, the appropriate times to use them, and the best order to have them in. All the episodes are scripted and I'm trying to keep them under 10 minutes apiece so you could learn the ins and outs of signal processing for podcasts in an afternoon when we're done. And after we've done a full segment, I'll chain those episodes together into a single episode so you won't have to listen to all the intros and outros over and over again. At two episodes a week, we should have our first mega episode in a month or so. But I'm getting ahead of myself. This is first episode is one of the most important and probably end up being one of the longest because it concerns arguably a podcaster's greatest tool. The Equalizer. An Equalizer is a plugin that we use to modify the frequency response of our audio. It's the most basic of all the building blocks to get our voice to start sounding professional. We can accentuate parts of our audio or correct flaws caused by our room. Anytime you start editing a podcast, EQ will be the first thing we start using and probably the last thing we'll adjust. It's our Swiss army knife to fix all sorts of problems that we might run into, so it's very important that we learn to use it correctly. For us podcasters, we're mostly going to be applying EQ to voices. Moreover, we're trying to make our podcast sound warm and inviting most of the time, not hyper-real or out-of-this-world like voices on pop song sound. So this means there are a few fundamental rules that we can follow when we break down the areas of the human voice. If you look at an EQ graph or when you start up a plugin, you'll see typically there's a screen that shows you from 20 hertz to 20 kilohertz. Let's start with anything below 80 hertz, and this is of little use to us. There's no information here that the human voice contains because the human voice only goes down to 80 hertz. So if we put a high-pass filter on it or a filter that passes over without touching anything higher than the frequency we specify, at this point 80 hertz, all we're getting rid of is information that can't help out our podcast. So it'll mostly be thumps, bumps, or plosives, which are bursts of air into the mic when we're saying words with puh sounds. Coincidentally, like plosives. And so we do this to take away a lot of the energy of this. And if you're looking at an EQ that has different roll-off curves, try a negative 12 or a negative 16 decibel per octave roll-off. This will give you lots of energy at 80 hertz, but roll off nicely any energy below that. And we want to make sure that below 80 hertz is cleared out because 80 to 120 hertz is where we get the full rich timber of voices. This is the fundamental of our voice, the very bottom of our chest coming up through into the mic. One of the reasons why phone calls sound so off-putting is because they don't even include this frequency. Phone calls start at 300 hertz, making our voices sound thin and wispy, and then digital and crunchy, but that's another matter. Point being, this range is important to both intelligibility and warmth, so we want to make sure that we leave it relatively untouched when we're doing our EQing. Moving up from there, 200 to 240 hertz is where we start getting the boominess in our voices, Boosting in this area can make our voices sound too heavy or dense. It can be a little unpleasant if you've got earbuds in. If you're looking to make a PA announcer effect in your podcast, this is a good frequency to look to boost. But if you're having difficulty balancing the perceived loudness of a male and female podcaster, try making a cusp around 200 to 240 in the male's voice. From 300 hertz to 1 kilohertz is where we hear the most reflections of our voice from the room that we're in. If you're in a large space with lots of hard surfaces, Reducing the frequencies in this area can make your audio sound more like it was recorded in a smaller, more intimate environment. It won't fix everything, but it can definitely start to make your recording sound more expensive, I guess is the right word. From there, 2 to 3 kilohertz is the area that adds clarity to our voice. 
These are the frequencies that give shape to the fundamental frequencies, the 80 to 120 hertz. If you're looking for a frequency response of the human ear, actually, you'll see a bump in the 1 to 3 kilohertz range because we've evolved to listen for those frequencies. They're so essential to the human voice. Perhaps not surprisingly, a telephone call maxes out at 3.4 kilohertz, as this is the highest frequency you'll need to ensure intelligibility of the speaker. So if you've got a track and you're having difficulty understanding someone in the recording, try boosting this area because your listener's ears are already listening to this range more than others. So again, the two to three kilohertz range is this real important intelligibility area. And then from there, from the five to maybe 15 kilohertz area is this area that produces sibilance. Sibilance is the name that we give extra energy T and S sounds have that disproportionately cut through audio recordings and can be very draining to listeners' ears. Typically, you don't want to try and EQ these areas out. It's better to use a de-esser, which is something we'll get to in a later podcast. And then from 15 kilohertz and beyond, this is the air of the track. This is the part of the voice in pop songs that gives the vocals a sense of space, and it's really lovely when it's used that way. However, when you listen to your favorite podcast, you'll probably notice that there's almost no information in the high end. Professionals don't seem interested in this very sparkly area of the voice at all. There's a real good reason for this. It's because really high frequencies don't do well when they're converted into a low bitrate format, like the ones we send out podcasts in. You'll notice that 64 kilobits per second, all the high-end energy that producers lovingly call crisp, start to sound harsh and distorted. So more often than not, especially with less expensive microphones with a boosted high-end, you will put a multi-band compressor on this area to tame the harshness. At this point, you're probably noticing that almost all the EQing tips stated here thus far have been about cutting frequencies, reducing them when we hear them. However, almost all the presets you see for dialogue EQ will recommend boosting frequencies. So why don't we do that here at Podigy? Why don't we only cut? And there's a very good reason for this. Boosting the EQ can also bring up the noise floor and any resonant frequencies found in the room. So your boost to make your voice more intelligible is also boosting the whine of the laptop in the room or the refrigerator in the background or maybe the air conditioning ducts that you're not really paying attention to by making effort to cut frequencies that we don't want and leave the ones that we do want relatively untouched for making the sound overall cleaner. Because most podcasts are almost never recorded in an acoustically neutral environment, cutting frequencies can make the resulting podcast sound more professional. This EQ that you're listening to right now is all cut frequencies, and if you head over to podgy.co and check out our podcast editing guide, you'll see it's all cut. We don't boost at all. Now that we have a handle on how to use EQ, let's talk about where to put it in our effects chain. Typically for podcasters, Anything that's denoising the track or giving you a better signal to noise ratio, we want to put the EQ after. And same thing with gates. We want to have our EQ after the gate so that our EQ is not giving the gate an artificially boosted or reduced signal. But we want to make sure we have our EQ ahead of compressors. This way we aren't inadvertently altering the loudness of our tracks, ensuring that they're all conforming to the loudness standards that we're going to figure out in the later episodes. So in wrapping up, again, an EQ will be something you use more than almost any other effect except for maybe compressors to get your sound sounding just right. It shapes your audio and it gives your podcast its distinct sound. So it's really important to make sure you figure out an EQ that works for you. And if you want to find out more about how to do that, I encourage you to comment and check out our complete guide to podcast editing over at podg.co. It's very hands-on. It takes you through exactly how we edit podcasts over here, except all the plugins are free. The only cost is a license for Reaper, and that's $60 after a 60-day trial. It'll be money well spent. It's worth every single one of those pennies. 
But again, come check out the podcast editing guide. It'll take your podcast to the next level. So until next time, I'm Riley Byrne, and this has been the Podcasters Podcast. Thanks for checking us out. 